Hello, beautiful human. Christine Blasdale here. I am so excited to announce, what is this? Oh, it is my brand new book. It's called Podcastonomics, Unlocking the Secrets of Profitable Podcasting for Beginners. I am so proud of this and I am so happy to make it available to you. It's available right now on Amazon. You can get the Kindle or the paperback version available right now at Amazon. Go get it. Get it now. Get it now. Welcome to Out of the Box with Christine. Are you willing to step into your greatness? Are you ready to shine? Well, get ready, Truth Seeker. You're in for an amazing ride. And now, here's the host of the show, Christine Blasdale. Welcome back to Out of the Box with Christine. I am your host, Christine Blasdale, your expert authority, business coach, helping overwhelmed conscious entrepreneurs expand their brand and their business through media, podcasting, and YouTube videos. And I am really excited. I've been looking forward to this interview for quite some time uh, with my guest, Wendy Cole, who is a transition mentor. And uh, her story is absolutely uh, amazing and one that you need to hear. So whatever you're doing, stop and listen. If you're listening to uh, the podcast on one of the major platforms, or if you're watching on YouTube, please just take this moment and share this content as well. Um, after you get to listen to my guest. Um, knowing from childhood that she was a girl, Wendy Cole yielded to familial and societal expectations to fit in. At age 67, Wendy changed her life with her transition. As a transition mentor, Wendy Cole helps her clients face significant life changes, and she is with me today. Thank you for joining me on Out of the Box. Thank you, Christine. I just love being here with you. I find you very inspirational. Well, I, well, I find you very inspirational, Wendy, because my goodness. Um, and where do we start? Where do we start? Well, uh, first of all, I, I was born this way. This was not a choice. I knew at a very, very young age um, say around three, four, that there was something different about me. I enjoyed playing with the other girls. Uh, it happened to be that a lot of my mother's friends had daughters. And when we would get together, I would wind up playing with them and it felt perfectly natural, much more so than playing with boys. By as I didn't have words to put around all of that, I couldn't really define it. But as I got older, especially when I got to around age 10 or so, that's when it, 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 I just knew I had to tell my parents. Oh my goodness. So I would, uh, uh, I used to enjoy dressing in my, what clothes I could find that would fit me and stuff, and then scramble to take everything off before my mother came home. One day I just decided I'm done. 
I'm getting dressed, I'm doing my nails, I'm putting on makeup as best I could at the time, and I'm waiting for my mother to come home, and I'm going to tell her that I'm a girl. End of story. And I did. I did that several times. It didn't go well for me because I wound up being taken to a psychiatric center. I grew up about 50 miles north of New York City in Fishkill, New York. They took me to a psychiatric center that was on the Hudson River between Beacon and uh, Cold Spring, New York, called the Craig House. And uh, I'm sitting with the psychiatrist and my parents are there. Well, he's talking past me to my parents. This is just things that little boys do. Uh, they experiment. Uh, it will pass in time. Uh, when he has a career, when he has a wife, he has a house and a family, he'll forget all about being a girl. And I looked at them and said, no, I won't. I'm a girl. Oh, bless you. <laughs> we had several more sessions. And after the last session, most of which I didn't participate in, he was talking with my parents. And um, my, my mother turned to me in the back seat of the car and said, from now on, you're going to forget all about this. You're going to change your behavior. And if you don't, we're going to have you committed and fixed. No. Yeah. <laughs> Which in How hindsight- old were you? How old were you? Around 10, 11 times. Oh my gosh. Oh and my this God. was in the late 1950s, early nine or 1960. Yeah, not the best time. So electroshock therapy was kind of big then. <laughs> yeah, for everything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so- um, I repressed it. Mm. I lived with complete inner turmoil, knowing who I really was and knowing that there was nothing I could do about it. High school was hell. Oh, it's I'm certain it was. to begin with, but. It's hard enough. Me, yeah. It's <laughs> dating, forget it. I was afraid. I was afraid of girls because girls might figure me out. Yeah. And I had this big secret to hide. So I was able to get through this and repress this until about my senior year of college. Well, when you're getting ready to graduate from college, that's another big life change. And I knew that at some point I needed to deal with this. I found a psychiatrist. And he agreed to help me. And I started coming out to people in my local town that I lived in. Uh, I didn't come out to anybody on campus. I'd forced myself to go to an all-male college. Uh, that way I could try and fit in. Well, that didn't work either. <laughs> Anything I tried to do to fit in just did not work. It didn't feel right. And I didn't feel good doing it. And I had the secret that I had to hide. So um, I got to a point with the psychiatrist where he wanted to take me as his guest to a quarterly meeting of about 20 other psychiatrists. And we met in the hospital conference room um, in upstate New York. 
And keep in mind at this point in, the, in New York State and even in New York City, I would be arrested for appearing in public as a girl. Arrested. I would be heavily fined and arrested. It was against the law to be outside your gender. And, and thrown in jail and thrown in jail. Yeah, exactly. Which is a fabulous place to be. Oh, yeah. So I'm sitting there talking to these people about my story. And one of the doctors, now this is an MD, a doctor and a group of doctors stands up and says to me, well, he says, I'll see you all next quarter. I've had enough today. Looks at me and goes, you're a freak. You should move to New York City and turn tricks like the rest of them. I was devastated. That ended the meeting. That ended everything. At my next uh, appointment with my psychiatrist, he explained to me, and this was the first time that I, we didn't have the internet back then. No, we didn't. The, the researching this in a library or anything, I could find out about Christine Jorgensen and some of the other pioneers of all of this, but anything in the way of information was pretty difficult to find out. Uh, he explained to me that this was considered a psychological condition with no treatment and no cure. A, di a disorder, or, right? Yeah, called transsexualism. Cool. So back I went into full-fledged repression and I tried everything else. So that's when I started on the path of having a career, having a wife, having a house, having a family. And I did that. I got married in 1974. Um, by 1978, the stress was enormous. Between my job stress, um, living with this, it was just horrible. And I woke my wife up one night talking in my sleep about how I was really a woman. Um, she woke me demanding an explanation. And when I finally decided to tell her, I told her everything. Figuring we'd be divorced by morning. And that wasn't the case. The next morning, she told me, as long as I didn't act on this or do anything with it, we would stay married. Oh, wow. And at that point, I felt I had no choice. So I just kept going. I did everything I needed to do to raise a family, to do my career. I worked for 20 years for a, uh, the second largest computer company in the United States, Digital Equipment Corporation. And um, when I finally got laid off from them, I reinvented myself into, I decided I'm going to not be an employee anymore. Good for I you. didn't really like that. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> not not fun no and um so i decided no i'm going to do contract work um and i wanted to do uh web-based 
uh, intranet programming for corporations. And I taught myself SQL Server database and all the Microsoft technologies and put myself out on the market as a contract developer, designer, programmer. And that's what I did for the rest of my career. And it was a really good career because when you're in IT, you don't have to be social. Um, you're the geek that's in the- They just want you to fix order. things, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> just deliver the results, make us happy and go away. Yes. yes. <laughs> so it was really good for me because the other thing is, is I got to work from home the majority of the time. So I had all my setups and everything else, all my techie stuff, and you know, I could exist like that. This is the one thing that I find a common thread for everyone like me. We need distractions. For me, my programming, my career, that was a distraction from this. The other thing that I loved doing was uh, finish carpentry, and cabinet making. And I had a whole wood shop for that. And it was fun when I was doing it. It was great. It was another distraction. To take you away, right? Yeah. Well, I was pretty much at age 66, going on 67, fall, late fall of uh, 2014. I was done. I was ready to check out. I had had it. I weighed uh, 70 pounds more than I do now. I was type 2 diabetic. I had cholesterol problems, triglyceride problems, and my mental health was bad. I just was so depressed, so anxiety ridden, and just basically miserable. And, um, but I decided. Before actually, I, I actually had the whole thing set up for killing myself. And I decided, well, let's give it one more shot. I haven't looked. There's the internet. I didn't know that there was any kind of a community. I didn't know anything about anything because I intentionally never looked. I didn't want to have to endure the painful. frustration. Yeah, it's too painful. So... I looked, and that's when I found out in 2012, I'm now considered a medical condition treatable by therapy, hormones, and any necessary surgeries. And I'm going, oh, yeah, I'm all in. <laughs> <laughs> I got to do something about this. And I hadn't discussed this with my wife at the time since 1978, 79. I went upstairs, I looked at her and I said, I just found out that, remember what we talked about in 1978? Well, it's never gone away. I found out now I can deal with it. There is help for this. And I don't know where it's going to lead. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to find a therapist. And I did. I wrote to several clinics. I was presented at one clinic with two people. And Stephanie 
was my therapist. And I knew just by her eyes, I got the vibe from her uh, uh, profile and everything that she wrote about herself and her practice. This is going to be the right person for me. That was how I felt. And the first intake session that I had with her in January of 2015, I just poured my guts out to her. It was just absolutely amazing. And it felt so good. That was the first time in decades that I had been open with anybody and could talk about it. And I got up to leave and I had some thoughts and I turned to her and she was still sitting with her file folder on her, my file folder on her lap. And she had written my male name on it. And she just looked at me and she goes, what's your name? And I immediately snapped back, Wendy. And I watched her. She crossed out my male name and wrote Wendy on my folder. I called her up. We're friends now. I stopped seeing her professionally about three years ago. And I called her up and I reminded her of that. She was the very first person of many to actually fully and completely accept me for who I was and who I am. She was the first. And that happened at age 67. So it's never, ever too late. Mm. And I looked at her and I said, well, uh, you're going to think this is rather silly, but, you know, could I bring my heels in <laughs> during session? And she goes, you can come any way you wish. This is a safe zone. You can be whoever you are. So the next week I walk in with my shoes and a shopping bag, which we both laugh about now. <laughs> and she says to me, you know, you could have worn those in from the parking lot. And I looked at her and I said, no, as a guy dressed this way. And by the way, I wasn't dressed nicely as a guy. I hated how I looked and all of that. So the baggy jeans, frayed edges, old t-shirt, you know, the whole bit. I didn't care. So um, I, uh, I said to her, no, I wouldn't wear them in that way. She said, well, you could have. And I said, no, I can't. But I thought about that all the way through my second session with her. And I looked at her and I said, you know, maybe next week. I do have a dress. I do have some makeup. I, I hadn't cross-dressed in decades. I couldn't do it. Um, so I said to her, I'll come as Wendy. And she goes, any way you want to, You're, it's a safe area, et cetera. And I said, well, you realize I'm going to go through another thing too, because now I've got to tell my wife. <laughs> and that's going to cause quite a concern. And it did. We argued about that all week going into it. But that week, what I started doing was envisioning 
what it would be for me to drive five, six miles to my therapy session, get out of the car. Um, it was uh, late January, early February. How would it feel to have the air blowing around my legs? I was going to go dressed as just any other woman going uh, for an uh, appointment before going to work. So nothing outlandish or anything, just being me. How would it feel walking across the parking lot, walking down the sidewalk, looking at my reflection in the glass front door? How would I feel sitting in the waiting room? Oh my God, it was just, I, I just was so anxious to try that, to do that for the first time, to go out in public as me. Well, the day I did it, it just felt so perfect. It was everything I had envisioned and then some. I got into the waiting room, kind of nervous. And I go, okay, is anybody looking at me? What's going on here? And nobody was. I took off my coat. I sat down on a chair. I picked up a magazine and I kept looking around. Oh my God, is anybody looking at me? And nobody was. It was great. Stephanie opened the door. I walk into what is now my third therapy session. I couldn't have been happier, Christine. I just kept smiling. I couldn't stop. It was just wonderful. And Stephanie used my phone that day and took a picture of me. And it was just so nice. I will never forget that day. And I decided from that point forward, every Thursday when I went to therapy, I was going as myself. Mm -hmm. And then what I started doing was giving myself little life tests along the way. On the way to therapy and on the way home from therapy, because I still had an arrangement with my wife at the time that I would not go out in public as Wendy. <gasps> Wow. except for therapy. Well, that's when I started to discover that there was a whole transgender community on Facebook and on social media. And I had some experiences reaching out to support groups and things like that. But what I really benefited from the most was doing what I call my internal work to align my inner being with who I feel I am and how I'm presenting. Right. And that way, by the time I got to June and July of 2015 and was looking for an apartment, I was excited. I wasn't scared. I had no fear whatsoever about doing this. Uh, I'd come to the realization that yeah, there are no guarantees. This is a leap of faith. I have no idea if my goal was to blend into life as any other woman. And I had no clue whether or not I could do that. But I was going to do it anyway. Mm. It had to be better living this way than living the way I was. Yes. So... 
life tests, um, there was a Dunkin' Donuts on the way to therapy. And I told Steph one day, I'm going to stop and get coffee. <laughs> well, and of course, there's no drive-through, which means I can't cheat. You I got to go get in. out of the car, have, stand yes. in line with other, other human beings <laughs> and just be one of the women. And the first time I, I envisioned it, I thought about it, I meditated on it. I really pushed myself to feel that energy that I would feel doing that. And I got to the parking lot. I shut off my car. I couldn't open the door. I sat there for five minutes. I could not open the door. I went to therapy and this was a profound thing that she did. Stephanie looked at me when I said to her, I failed. She looked at me and she said, no, you didn't. You'll do it when you're ready. I thought about that the entire rest of the session. And I looked at her at the end and I said, I'll be ready next week. I know I will be. Uh, and thank you for that. But I can do anything I want to do when I'm ready. Yeah. So there were lots of other little life tests and things along the way. But uh, uh, July 30th of 2015, the moving company came, took my stuff out of the house. I got in the car and I left. And I uh, drove about 35 miles north of where I was living uh, in a little, little town called New Hope, Pennsylvania. <laughs> uh, large LD, LGBT community. Um, and I thought, okay, I'm going to be fine there. Yeah. And 10 o'clock in the morning, I ran into my apartment. Um, nobody saw me because nobody was around. The people were all at work. It was a mixed bag of apartments and condo units and all. Turned out to be a wonderful neighborhood, very social. Uh, I made friends pretty much immediately uh, within the first few weeks. And um, when the moving company left and left my stuff, I took off my last uh, male facsimile or male representative clothes, put them in a bag to go to donation. Forget it. <laughs> not, not going there again. <laughs> put on a denim skirt, a top, sandals, and went grocery shopping. Wow. <laughs> I got my store discount card that day. That was the first thing I wrote my name for. Mm. And it turned out about, oh, a year later, I was working as a cashier at that supermarket. Brilliant. <laughs> and um, I, I really believe that the internal work that I did to prepare for this profound life change was all important. Yeah. It's your life. So, exactly. Absolutely. I'm happy. I've met people. One of the things I found out, I thought, okay, all the gay guys are going to understand me. <laughs> Wrong. 
Oh God. Um, I got uh, flowers left at my front door. Uh, welcome to the neighborhood, Chad and Jason, number 15. So uh, later that weekend, uh, it was a Sunday evening about nine o'clock. I saw they were coming home. So I went down and introduced myself. And I told them the same thing that I told you before we started. I'm an open book. No questions are off limits. Whatever you want to know. And we talked until about 3.30 in the morning. And they asked a lot of questions, <laughs> which was my introduction to the gay community that they really didn't understand the transgender community at all. They didn't understand the cross-dressing community, the gender fluid part of the community, the non-binary part of the community. And they definitely didn't get the part of the community that I'm part of. Yeah. Uh, they couldn't imagine why why would you want to give up your male privilege? <laughs> why, why, would you... <laughs> why would you want to be a woman? Oh, God, yes. <laughs> well, I had a, um, um, what I would wind up doing is there was a gay bar in town as well as the, a lot of other bars. And um, I would go to the bars not to drink per se, but to enjoy talking with people. Yeah. And I had a blast talking with people. And um, well, when I'd get asked something by uh, a, a guy uh, about, well, how can you do this? And are you really going to have the surgery? Yes, I am. <laughs> no doubt about it. I don't know when or where, but it's going to happen. And I would just look at the look at them and say, "Okay, I, I, I got married. You got married. Now, when did you know you were gay? You repressed it. You yes. had the fear. Yes. You had the shame. You had all that stuff. Yep. So did I. The only difference between you and me is you became a G. I became a T. Yes. <laughs> it's that simple." <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> so let's move on and let's have a conversation about all of this. And that's exactly what happened. You know what, too? It's interesting because that probably in, with the, the, the gay male uh, experience, um, society can also be extremely hard on on. Oh, absolutely. On, on boys who are attracted to other boys and know that, you know, inside. Um, and what I find is that any feminization in, in our society, the amount of violence that is perpetrated upon women, girls, or, th or those who are perceived to be feminine, right? the amount of violence, I'm like, it seems to be that there is a war on the feminine. Yes, I would agree. Right? Yeah. If you are macho, you know, uh, you're, you know, you're, you're, you present as macho, as, 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 as strong as all the, the tr traditional male characteristics, right? Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. celebrated in our society. Right. Whereas the, 
the feminine that's and that's mother nature i mean that's that's the, right. that's the earth as well exactly is really there there is a, a concentrated effort it's like the worst thing you could be right. is a woman right because our society has has created that right i would agree and it's well, when I, um, I, when I, um, I found the surgeon, Dr. Uh, Rachel Blue Bond at NYU Medical, and loved her. Absolutely loved the consultation, the whole experience at NYU. It was just amazing. And so I put a countdown app on my phone. All the guys at the bar knew I had the countdown app on my phone. So I would walk in and one of the bartenders would say, Wendy's here. It's kind of like Norm walking into cheers. <laughs> and one of the guys would always holler out, how many more days? And I go like 132 <laughs> until surgery. And then invariably someone would grab their crotch <laughs> and say, how can you do that? <laughs> I'm getting my birth defect corrected. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, but why? <laughs> it's, it's something that I truly needed to do. Yeah. And I needed that from as early childhood as I could remember. It just wasn't acceptable. And that's the thing. We also in our society love to put, love to put people in boxes. That's uh -huh. why the name of the show is Out of the Box with Christine. Exactly. But from the moment we're born, we, we need to know, do we wrap it in a pink blanket or do we wrap it in a blue blanket? Exactly. You know? And mm -hmm. I'm like, what about purple? Or, you know, does it matter? Exactly. It doesn't. And when you were, you had mentioned in the, in the beginning, uh, you had mentioned a bit about, I think you said you were around four when uh, you were just, you were just sort of, you were just you. And I, 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 I know that when we're from usually like from, from birth to about four, five years old, we are just beautiful we are. creating creatures, right? We're also exactly. very close to source because we just came uh -huh. here. But um, exactly. but I remember, yeah, because um, I'm um, gender fluid, non-binary. And I just remember as a kid wanting to be a cowboy and a pirate and, and, uh -huh. and all these different things. And it wasn't judged because it was just, oh, that's my little, that's my little, that's my little girl. That's my little, that's right. my daughter. Right. Thinking she's a cowboy. Isn't that cute? Mm -hmm. And then as you get older, it's like, don't be a cowboy. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and it's when you're going, when you're going into school, it's just, it's all of a sudden you're like, Oh, the, uh, you become aware that others are how they perceive you as instead of just being right. Right. Exactly. And the pressure that puts on now I can imagine the pressure that puts on kids now, but my goodness, Wendy, back when you were a child, and especially yep. that moment when, when, when 10 years old told mm -hmm. that you're going to be, you're going to be fixed one way or the other. Right. And threatened 
with something so terrifying mm -hmm. as shock therapy. I don't even want to call it therapy. It's torture. It's right. torture. Right. Exactly. It does nothing. It does nothing. They did that to, to women who mouthed off at their husbands. The, I think it was Frances Farmer. I think that's the name. Right. Her story. Oh, Jesus. So to be told that, of, and of course that, of course you're going to shut down who you are. Mm -hmm. Everything of who you are. It's as if you were in Nazi Germany and you're a Jew and you do everything to fit in mm -hmm. so that you're terrified because if they find out Right. You're, you're toast. Exactly. Wow, you are my shero. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, I used to have posters of the Bionic Woman and Wonder Woman. Uh -huh. I just want a poster of you now. <laughs> Hanging up in my room. Oh, oh, God. But it, as far as you know, uh, my, I, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't hold any animosity toward my parents. Uh, at one point I was, I mean, even I was very angry with my father. Uh, he of course goes, no son of mine is going to be a girl. Well, I didn't know um, uh, the whole background of that. Uh oh, um, it's in my it's in my little story that I wrote on my blog. It's the first post on my blog. Um, my father had dual families. His first family had two daughters. He was in pursuit of a son. And so I came. Oh, along. wow. Yeah. So I'm the one that was carrying the male name forward. And he had grown up in a very conservative, mm. uh, well, I don't know if I could call it conservative or not. His father was a professional gambler. <laughs> uh, but at any rate, he was a very conservative person, uh, was a uh, lieutenant commander in the Navy during World War II. Uh, I was going to be a doctor, a lawyer, or even at one time go to Annapolis. None of those things would work for me. <laughs> so uh, I guess getting into the computer industry in 1974 was the best that he could hope for for me. But uh, did you did uh, your relationship um, had it improved or? I'm guessing that he's no longer with us. Right. He'd be he, very, very elderly gentleman. Well, he died in uh, 2001 at age 96. Wow. After having had a massive stroke at age 64 and lived uh, the rest of his life paralyzed down his left side. Wow. The whole family situation fell apart between him and my mother. Uh, a lot of things came out like, I didn't know this, but I met my half sister, Kathy, for the first time at his funeral. I didn't wow. know she Talk about secrets. Yeah. Talk about secrets, dad. So I'm going at that point, I'm saying to myself, holy shit, 
the hypocrisy of yes. all of this. And you had the nerve to tell me that I would hate being a woman because women are not our, our second class citizens. Oh, oh, oh. He came right out and said that. So. Wow. That, that was my father. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, after having gone through this and actually finding myself, um, getting into mindfulness, meditations, law of attraction, all of those kinds of things to be more spiritual and really feel my myself and experience and feel life. I've become very social. Yeah. There is no way in hell I would be doing this with you back before 2015. Well, I am so I I myself and I know our listeners and viewers that are watching this on YouTube. I know that we are all grateful that that you have come this way and are shining a, such a bright light. Your story is so powerful and I said it I did say it before we started um this this interview that I encourage you I beg you to um, to create, uh, to write a book about this, to put those, all oh, yeah. of that. And, you know, you're more than welcome to take the transcript from this and use it because, <laughs> or at least create uh, a podcast. You need to have a podcast I, because, uh, because what you do is so important. You're, in, you're inspiring and motivating, motivating and, and all of those things. But more importantly, is instead of just sitting on it, right? And just saying, this is mine, uh, this is good for me, you are helping others. And this is part of, with, uh, with the work that you do with your clients, you help them yes. face these things and, mm -hmm. and to claim their dignity. And, um, and, and that transitioning process is something that can be very massive and, and difficult and lonely. Well, and it, within the community, I get told a lot of times, well, it's difficult and it takes a long time. My response to that is, if that's what you believe, then it will. We, life is all about possibility. We limit our possibilities by our beliefs. Oh, definitely. Yeah. So... One of the first things that I encourage people to do is let's work on your beliefs. Because once I started to do that for myself, everything became easy. Everything became fun. I have had a blast with this. I went through a period where I lived pretty stealth. The only people that I was really out to or engaged openly with were in the gay community, male or female. Um, but to everybody else, I was just Wendy and I kept it that way. Uh, not so much anymore. I've been Wendy now for eight years. Wonderful years. And no looking back, no back button on this. Wonderful and, Wendy. Yeah. <laughs> and 
uh, one of the things I found is, well, the vast majority of my friends are women. Mm -hmm. And they're very open, they're very accepting. So I decided I'm going to, anyone that I consider to be a really good acquaintance or close friend or anyone that I'm doing business with, I'm open to them. I tell them about my background. I tell them about my story and I'm open to them for questions because I want people in society to hear from someone like me about my life. I don't want to leave that up to the politicians, right. the religious okay. people, or anyone else to talk about my life. I want to talk about it with people. And that's why I bought your book. <laughs> Look at that. Oh, Wendy, she was, uh, for those that are listening to the podcast, she just held up my brand new book that just, I, it just came off. Hot off the press, podcastonomics. Would you show me that? Wonderful. I was so surprised. I was so surprised. It's so weird to see, you know, something that you've been creating. It's like having a baby and then seeing uh -huh. someone 7,000 miles away holding up the baby, uh, going, Look. But <laughs> I, I found your book inspiring. Uh, one of the things I know I will, I, I do things on YouTube and on my YouTube channel. Yes. Um, I have a series on there of four videos called Learning to Embrace Change, Beautiful. which I'm particularly uh, proud of. And um, my podcast interviews are going to go on there. Um, and yes, I will eventually have my own podcast. Oh, and you better. I'm going to invite you to be one of my guests. Oh, thank you. <laughs> That would be, I would love, well, first I would love, of course, I would love to be your guest, but I would be so okay. excited and so happy that you use that platform to reach people all around the world. And right. that's the beautiful thing about creating a podcast right. is that we can tell our stories and Absolutely. the right people. I believe also in, in the law of attraction and, mm -hmm. and synchronicity. And my belief is that the people who need to hear your story or need to hear what you've experienced, your wisdom, they will find you. And, it'll, mm -hmm. and you'll, you may never know. You may, you may never know that person, but you have right. affected their lives, yeah. impacted their lives as well. Mm -hmm. Oh, Wendy, I am so, well, you're um, part of my family now. And so you're okay. welcome back anytime. Thank you're you. welcome back to the show. And um, and thank you for <laughs> thank you for buying my book. That made me so happy. <laughs> hey, make sure you write a, you know, a, a ranking and a review. I will. Oh, Absolutely. That, yeah, because then other people will go, oh, it's it's decent. <laughs> it's, it's more than decent. It's, oh, thank you. I, I've learned so much from it so far and I can't wait to finish it. And it's going to be a reference book for me. Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. You, thank you. You hit all the good stuff. You, it's really great information it really is christine thank, thank you. you love thank you and you know what anytime if you ever come to australia come mm -hmm. on down under uh okay. we'll, we'll take you around and show you some beauty it's beautiful it's beautiful here it's it's no rhode island but <laughs> <laughs> 
it is beautiful. I'm gonna there's um, only yeah. There's only one Rhode Island. <laughs> there is. Um if anyone wants to connect with me, yes. Uh, wendycolegtm.net slash connect. Well, I'm gonna put that um well, we're gonna put the link to your website in the show notes. Sure. It's Wendy Cole, and it's uh for those that are uh that that are not gonna look at the show notes, uh Wendy W E N D Y C O L E G T M dot net and we'll have that link directly uh there. Okay. And and I highly also recommend if you are someone who has a similar story to Wendy, who you have been hiding your light and stuffing it down and trying to conform and you are ready. Um, to take that step, I highly recommend that you do reach out to Wendy Cole, um, who is a transition mentor. And for for anyone transitioning and going right. through a major life change, Wendy is the person to to reach out to. So, thank you, Wendy. Again, you're welcome back anytime. You are okay. um, dear to me. I hold you so close to my heart. Um, well, thank, thank you, you again Christine. for your time and for your wisdom and for your bravery and courage. You're just an inspiration to me. Thank you so much. Thank you, Christine. I loved it. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> all right. And thank you, wonderful listeners on Apple, Spotify, all the major platforms. I'm all, I'm all teary. Look at this. I'm like oh. crying. It's happy tears. It's not sad tears. It's happy tears. Uh -huh. um, and for those of you who are watching uh, on the YouTube channel, please remember to like, subscribe, share this. This is the important thing. Again, don't keep it to your greedy selves. <laughs> share it. Share it on social media. Um, share it in your social groups with, with your friends and family. Share this. And if you're someone who is uh, transitioning or who has, share this with your family and friends. They might get a better perspective. They might. And if they don't, fuck them. <laughs> fuck them. <laughs> Live your beautiful life. <laughs> there you go. All right, darling. Thank you again so much. And as I always say at the end of the show, um, you can, oh, oh, for more information on my coaching, you can go to christineblasdale.com. More information on the podcast, go to outoftheboxwithchristine.com. And as I always say, remember to think outside that damn box. Bye for now. <laughs>